When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Welcome in to the post second and third round, otherly known as day two of the draft purple podcast, Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad are here late at night at TCO performance center to bring you information and breakdowns of what the Vikings decided to do in the second and third round, but do not ask us all of the trades that they made in the third round. I don't remember them all. All I know, Judd, is that they have four sixth-round picks on Saturday and three seventh-round picks. A lot happened in that third round, and I'm still confused and shaken. Wait, right now, unless you've got different information than I've got, I've got a Saturday. I've got a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. I've got three in the sixth and three in the seventh. I thought it was four in the sixth. So that's one, that's six, seven, eight. No, you might be right. It, it might be four. It, this is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But, but but you know what? This is this not quintessential Rick Spielman. He can't help himself. If the man doesn't have at least 10 picks in a draft, I think he breaks out knives. Well, I don't blame him in this case, Judd, because I thought going into the third round that a running back made a lot of sense and they decided to take Alexander Madison out of Boise State, who is a Latavius Murray style running back with explosiveness, yards after contact. He's tough to take down. He's good in the passing game. All those things. So I like their third round pick and I like the strategy of trading back and picking up as much as they could because they've got a ton of roster spots, a ton of space to fill. And I think that this running back was probably every bit as good as a lot of the other running backs that were there in that range. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. I want to discuss the more exciting pick of the two tonight, which was Irv Smith out of Alabama, the Vikings getting their tight end. And shout out to our friend Sage Rosenfels, who called both of these picks last week on our draft special. He called Garrett Bradbury and Irv Smith as the Vikings picks. And Judd, I couldn't like the Irv Smith pick anymore. This is the mismatch tight end that we've been talking about for I don't know how long mm-hmm. that the Vikings have attempted via Bucky Hodges, via Michael Pruitt, chasing uh, Jared Cook last year in free agency, trying to get Dallas Goddard last year in the draft. They've wanted this player for a very long time, and finally they have a guy who runs a 4-5, He's fast. He plays in the slot. He plays outside. He plays a fullback if you want him to. He's a, a, a chess piece type of player who is a good mismatch, faster than uh, most linebackers, bigger than most safeties, and he just produced 
at Alabama. He averaged 16 yards a catch. Yeah. Like, this is the guy they have been looking for. And so this is, again, and this is not true of every position in football, but this is, again, a lesson that we've talked about before. It's very instructive, and it's something that um, there seems to be times that Spielman thinks he's smarter than the system, and sometimes he gets. You brought up two names, okay? Michael Pruitt, 2015, fifth-round pick. Now, Stefan Diggs was, too. Stefan Diggs was as well. So I'm not saying you can't find guys. But the point being is then we fast-forward to the, um, let's see here, tight end. 2017. 2017 draft, and Bucky Hodges, a sixth-round pick. The point being there are positions, and I think tight end is one, where if you want to find a top-notch guy, and I'm not, not talking about a blocker, I'm talking about a guy that can consistently go out there and catch passes and be productive, you can't be consistently saying, we're going to find you in the sixth or seventh or fifth round. You have to get one early, and they did here, and that's a good move. And now my only question is this. There seems to be a very tepid commitment to Kyle R- Rudolph. We don't really know what's going on there. It seems very odd, and we've talked about this a lot, that he keeps saying that no one has approached him about a restructure. This team remains very close to, uh, to the cap to the point where right now they can't sign their draft picks. Something has to give. And as Spielman was asked tonight about Kyle's position on the team or status on the team, he said, hey, Kyle's here. These are different tight ends. But never did he say Kyle's going to be here for it the long term. And so I think it's a very fair question to come back to. Is Irv Smith Jr., going to be playing with Kyle Rudolph in 2019, or is Irv Smith Jr. going to be a different type of tight end who's going to essentially take Kyle Rudolph's spot? And I think about this from how would we talk about it if the cap was not a factor, and we would be saying it is great in the NFL today to have two tight ends that could go out there and catch the football. And Rick Spielman, I asked him about the development curve and what Irv Smith can be, and he compared him to Jordan Reed of the uh, Washington football squad. I wonder why. Well, that's right, because of the connection with Kirk Cousins. And I love that comparison, though, because it's not a guy that is humongous. It's undersized for a tight end. There's no question about that. He only weighs 240, but Jordan Reed was a receiver first, and a mismatch guy first, and a blocker sometimes every once in a while. But they had Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed, and they used two tight end sets a good amount of the time. They created these mismatches. And even though uh, Davis was really fast, and Kyle Rudolph is not really fast, when you can put in two tight ends, you force the defense to decide, are we going to put in an extra cornerback and let you run over us, or are we going to put in an extra linebacker and let your tight end beat our extra linebacker? That's why I wouldn't want Kyle Rudolph to be traded. Uh, if I were Gary Kubiak, I'd be saying, let me use these two tight end sets. Let me have... A, a package where I could put two wide receivers, two tight ends, and feel like I could throw it down the field or I could go short if I want to. And Spielman mentioned how often last year it was almost all the time that they used three wide receivers, Laquan Treadwell being one of those receivers. So since they didn't draft another receiver in the first three rounds, that tells me that they would love to have these two tight end sets a heck of a lot more often. And we'll see if they decide to move Treadwell to create this cap space. But I would be hesitant to want to move Rudolph just over a cap situation when he catches everything that's thrown his way. He's got great hands. He's still good in the red zone, even though last year he and Cousins didn't quite connect. 
if you're talking about just the best thing for the offense, it's keeping him here. Mm-hmm. But you're 100% right that no one stood at the podium tonight and said, we will absolutely not trade Kyle Rudolph. And, and it's, it's just very odd that if he was a 29 in long, the long-term plans of this franchise, that there wouldn't be a restructure, an extension, something to, do, to uh, basically alleviate some of the Vikings cap crunch because that would make perfect sense. The other thing about this draft, though, that is really intriguing, and I looked this up, the influence, and I knew there would be an influence here, but it's been more than I expected it to be of Gary Kubiak in that draft room. Yep. And, and listen, going with your first three picks in any draft of being offense, offense, offense is not just rare for the Vikings since uh, Zim took over in 2014. The Minnesota Vikings have not gone with three offensive players for their first three picks in a draft since Dennis Green's second year in 1993. So this is really rare and really odd, but it speaks volumes to me. It speaks volumes to what nobody would say, which is if we have any chance of being successful this coming season, we have to get Kirk Cousins as much stability and help as we possibly can. And Kubiak's scheme can help there, but Kubiak is clearly calling some shots here. And and this, to me, goes to two things. First of all, I think Kubiak is making a ton here. I think... He's not making what Mike is making, but I don't think it's a whole lot less. I think he, I think his influence and his willingness to take this job were because he's basically told, you're, you're the head coach of the offense and we're going to pay you like that. And by the way, we are going to listen to what you tell us. But it's also a nod to the fact that Rick and Mike and a lot of people in this building know that if this team does not have a lot more success than they did in going 8-7-1 and one last year, people are going to be fired. And for one year at least, that means putting the – I love defense, defense first plan on hold because the defense is good. The offense in no way, shape, or form came anywhere close in 2018 to playing up to its its capabilities of what was expected. Well, I think that they should be high-fiving Gary Kubiak for this draft so far because they've gotten perfect fit guys in all three rounds and the offensive weapons they needed all through free agency. We talked about, look at this offense Look at how far it has to go, especially in the passing game, but in the running game too. Look how far it has to go in order for them to be a legitimately competitive NFL team because having the expected points added of uh, the the Oakland Raiders offense last year in the passing game, uh, it was not going to be good enough. I mean, th- This is where there's some confusion about the passing game. In the efficiency, it was in the bottom half of the NFL. Just because your quarterback threw for 4,000 yards doesn't mean you were an effective and efficient passing game. And we know that the running game wasn't even close to acceptable overall. So getting a center that is going to make a, an immediate impact in both areas, somebody that gives them a better chance against the beasts of the NFC North to be able to move Pat Elfline to guard, these are big things to be able to bring in a mismatched tight end who could catch 30 or 40 passes right away. I think that even when we heard Rick Spielman talk about it, there was a sense that these things needed to be filled now. And even a running back position of all the positions you could fill in the third round running back is number one for right away. Uh, you see it all the time. Kareem Hunt right away, a third-round pick stepped in. You saw uh, Elvin Kamara was a third-round pick. He stepped in, yeah, difference maker. Sure. You see it all the time in the third round because you could get first and second round talents that people pass on because of the positional value. But Mm -hmm. now this is that hot zone in the third round where it makes a lot of sense. But there's a feeling when Rick Spielman talked, not of 
hey, you know, this Irv Smith down the road, he could be this or that. It's right away, he's a mismatch, and we need more weapons for Kirk Cousins, like that guy they had in Washington. And in to that end, even though oftentimes teams make mistakes when they sent the, sense the pressure, I don't think this team did. I think that they've been pressured into making the exact moves that they should have made with their three picks in the first three rounds. Well, and that's great now, but it's also an indictment of what they didn't do last year mm-hmm. because they watched film of Kirk. They knew exactly, I, I will contend to my grave, that they watched all that film of Kirk and somehow came away saying, well, we signed him to this big contract, so play like we signed you to a big contract. And he couldn't do that. I do think that the the Smith draft as well, uh, because he is going to step in and play a lot right away, I do think that alleviates the concern a little bit of Treadwell now. Because you basically, it doesn't take a genius to say you can't play Treadwell because if you do and he's the read, Kirk Cousins is going to throw to him. And that, and I hate to say this, but it's true, that's a problem. So I think what you've done now is is basically you are allowing, you're going to allow Cousins to have a, a shot. He's going to have protection from his blind side now, which, which, and I'm not, I am not saying that he didn't screw up, but he's now going to have protection. He's fumble prone. That's a good thing. But the other thing, too, is now the short passing game. And, and if you recall, I want to say Treadwell dropped a few very short passes that, that were very much tight end type passes. Treadwell, I think, is going to be eliminated from that equation now. Uh, Smith's going to be incorporated. So they are taking they're taking steps to do things they probably should have done last year. But I think if you're a Viking fan, what should make you happy is they're going to do it within the confines of a scheme and system that I think when we see it from day one is going to make a lot more sense. I'm not sure that people even realize just how much Laquan Treadwell negatively impacted the Vikings. I mean, if you're looking at yards per target, the guy's one of the worst in the entire league. He's putting up a yards per target that you might expect out of a fullback. I mean, he only had 8.6 yards per catch and didn't have a particularly high catch percentage. Uh, Those are things that you would expect out of a number two blocking tight end. Like David Morgan will give you this, and they were running that as their number three receiver. David Morgan would catch the ball, too. That's right. That's right. He has good hands that is that kid at least could catch the ball but this is so they're doing things they should be doing now and it's good to see it's a little bit frustrating though in some ways that this was not addressed a year ago but at least now it seems like it's a how can i put this it's a competent and efficient plan a year ago it was uh well we signed this quarterback so it should work and i think we all said are you sure of this and they said, oh, yeah, we're sure. And it didn't really work. And well, in this draft, too, the runs didn't negatively impact the Vikings. There wasn't a run on offensive linemen where Garrett Bradbury was taken early and then he was off the board and they have to do something else. There uh, was a bunch of surprising moves early on and quarterbacks that were taken ahead of them that maybe we didn't expect with Daniel Jones and other players, offensive linemen like Chris Lindstrom that was taken early that just pushed the Vikings right into the perfect spot with Garrett Bradbury. And in this second round, everybody went crazy on offensive line. Everybody went crazy on cornerbacks. Nobody touched the wide receivers or the tight ends. So you got the third best tight end in the draft. And I might contend that Noah Fant has a higher ceiling than Irv Smith, but Irv Smith has a higher potential hit rate Mm -hmm. than Noah Fant. Noah Fant was a boom or bust type of guy. And Spielman mentioned bringing people in for top 30 visits to 
talk with them about their character or test their IQ or whatever else it might be. I think Noah Fant was probably one of those guys. There's some uncertainty with him, has the physical tools to be an absolute freak. But with Smith, the thinking is more so that he's going to be a solid player, even if he's not an unbelievable player. And his ceiling is pretty high because he is on the younger side. So you got the third best, but arguably the second best tight end to an absolute freak in TJ Hawkinson. You've got to feel pretty good about that. But if they had waited any longer, then that's when everyone started to take the tight ends. Everyone started to take the wide receivers. So this draft just so happened to play out exactly how they dreamed. The first two picks did for sure for them. Well, and I would even argue the third pick. We don't know a lot about the guy, Alexander Madison, because he went to Boise State. But when you just compare the running backs, David Montgomery was a very good prospect. Daryl Henderson was a very good prospect. But if you're not going to get either one of those guys or you feel like Madison is in their ballpark, it's great to trade down, pick up extra picks, and still get the position that you wanted to take in the third round. It's just interesting to me that a lot of times you'll hear more about, well, maybe it wasn't a perfect position of need in the third round, but this is a player we really love. In this case, it was we expect him to be the number two running back and fill Latavius Murray's shoes. That's a bit of a different tone than you hear, even from NFL teams in general, talking about second and third round picks. But that's the position that this team is in to need these guys to be able to step in right away that's and make difference. a difference. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah these three guys are going to step in and play, and and there's not much doubt there. Uh, so as Rick, as Trader Rick, moved down. Oh boy, he, he did ever. And I don't know. He made so many trades tonight with Baltimore at one point and the Jets at one point in Detroit. Was there ever any place where he uh, continually dropped down in the third round where you felt that they passed up a player who you who you really liked at that time, though? Because he got all the way down to the last pick of the third round, which was, of course, the last pick of the night. So was there ever a, a player or two when he continued to drop down where you thought to yourself, I probably would have executed that pick on this player? Only if they had wanted defense. On the offensive side, there were some players that I thought were interesting, but maybe not ones that I would have been completely sold on or that I would have felt better than I feel about the running back that they took. Now, when you're taking a number two running back, yeah, that guy's not going to be a a huge star, more likely than not. Um, But in terms of getting yourself some insurance and a different type of back from Delvin Cook, I think that was a really good move. I mean, in terms of positional value, though, you still might say, look, it's running back Mike Boone, Rock Thomas. Those guys, we never heard of them before, and they showed up pretty well in preseason. They made the team, and maybe you could have gone out and got somebody else. So I think that that would be where I would look at a a positional value thing where you might say, hey, wide receiver, number three wide receiver specifically, if there was somebody there that you believed was going to be a starter, maybe that would have been a better pick. But I'm also not sold on a lot of the guys that uh, were there in the third round. I mean, in the second round, we saw some of the better prospects go. DK Metcalf finally went off the board. He was crying like a baby on the phone with the Seattle's people. He was so upset it took so long. I know. I mean, it was amazing how long but it you took. you know what that is? Last pick in the second. But you know what that is now? Now we are in a – we're to the point now, and I'm not surprised – where physical freaks aren't enough. Yeah. Like you could just, if people know or don't think that you can run a route, I mean, th- think about this. Cordero Patterson's a perfect e- example, right? Now, Cordero Patterson has some upside at times to some things, but Cordero Patterson 
was a first-round pick by these guys and got here. And you looked at Cordero Patterson and thought, my God, this guy's going to be dominating. And I think now we are to, to the point where you can look as good as you want and athletically be gifted. But if you can't play the sport from day one to a certain level, there's going to be a lot of people that don't believe in your abilities. Yeah, and just if you're playing the odds, someone who has an amazing combine versus what do they actually look like on tape, how versatile are they, your odds are that the guy who runs the routes better is going to be the one that ends up um, in ter- you know, being the better receiver in turn. And uh, someone like Metcalf is a high-risk, high-reward, and those guys don't go 5th, 6th, or 7th. Right. They usually go 30th to 60th. Uh, and, and I look at the wide receivers that I did like that uh, would have been in the Vikings' potential range. A lot of them went right after Irv Smith. A.J. Brown's a great example. Uh, also from Old Miss, I think he's a great player. He's the route runner guy that we're talking about, the hands, the sort of uh, reliability. He went, a couple other receivers went. I really liked Paris Campbell, who is a second rounder from Ohio State. Explosive player, 4-3-1, but can do more than just be that playmaker. I think he can actually run routes. Andy Isabella, he went in the second round toward the end. He's the guy from UMass who's a really, um, I, w- I wouldn't say controversial, but some people think he's going to be really good. Some people think he's too short. Uh, gr- great, amazing, outstanding numbers at the Combine and at UMass. Mm-hmm. Loved him for the Vikings. He goes in the second round right after they take Irv Smith. Those were the guys who I would have said if any dropped to the third round, take them and don't trade down. Don't take this running back. But once they went off the board, I wasn't really committed to anybody. There were some names on the defensive side that you like. Amani Hooker was a guy, a, a safety from Iowa, who's pretty interesting. But Jalen Ferguson. They don't take safeties. Uh, they really don't. They don't. They J- but Jalen Ferguson was a guy I really liked as an edge rusher, but he went just before their pick in, in the third round. So you're left with why not trade down because there is five, six, seven players, and especially at the running back position. I think that they handled this draft really really well Judd and a lot of times we do walk away from things the Vikings do with questions like was it the right idea to keep Everson Griffin was it the right idea to bring back Anthony Barr and you can make arguments either way this one I'm having a really tough time picking apart filling the offense with more weapons around Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. It's what I've been asking for since the very end of the season to give Kirk Cousins more options, to give him a better offensive line, and they have done that in these first three rounds. Now the rest of the rounds are fill out whatever position, I, get whatever player you you can. I think there's two things at, at work here for well us as well, but fans especially. I think the first three picks, and the first two especially, are really solid. Yep. I think it's hard to debate them. I think this team, if if they hadn't gone in this direction and had decided, well, well, we really like a cornerback in the first round, a corner, so we're going to take a corner in the first round, and then we're going to come back and try and take a lineman who we think's okay but not great in the second round, we could have absolutely annihilated them. They didn't. Good for them. Uh, the one thing that frustrates fans and us, but, but in the big picture is fine, is Rick's um, – propensity to trade for picks and the fact that he kept <laughs> going down. No. Yes. And seriously, on yeah, Twitter no, tonight, right. I kept yeah. seeing, a, you know, this is why he's going to get fired. This is going to co- It's not. Now, I understand. And, and even Rick said that Zim gets ticked off and said he's set to unplug my phone, which I don't know if he's on a cell phone or what. Like, I don't know if he's got the old wall phone where, where <laughs> Zim could get the cord out. But the fact is, 
Ricks need to get extra picks. I don't know if I agree with that philosophy consistently as much as you might, but it's not going to hurt them. And if you're a Viking fan with these first three picks, I think you need to stop and say this was the right thing. And I think this team a year ago now made a lot of missteps in, in approach on offense. And I think they made, I think they had the right idea in some ways, but their thought process was flawed. This is, I believe a correction of that. And so if you're a Viking fan and you look at the first two days of this draft, you might be annoyed by the extra picks and all the trades, but I think you should be very satisfied with, with the fact that this team is going to go into camp with a good defense and at least you're giving your quarterback and the offense a shot now. And a year ago, you really didn't. You, you certainly had some nice components there, but I don't know if you gave yourself a complete shot. I think you're going to now, and so so that's a, a difference. I do have a question, though. Sure. Who do you think on the depth chart right now and, and probably going into training camp, who do you think is wide receiver three? That's a good question. Do you think it's BB? Like, do you, do you think there's something they're seeing? I, it Man. Can't, it can't be Treadwell alone. Is wide receiver three here right now? If they trade Kyle Rudolph, that opens up cap space, and there are still free agents, <laughs> including Pierre Garçon. So tonight there was a Washington reference with Irv Smith, Pierre Garçon. Aldrick Robinson is another guy. They liked Aldrick Robinson last year to some extent. I mean, he's not an all-around wide receiver, right. but if we're – Harkening back to players that worked really well with Kirk Cousins, then both of those guys are still available, and there are other uh, veteran free agents who could be out there if they do create enough cap space to sign somebody. So that might be the answer that I would say now. Um, there's the guy that they signed from Denver, Jordan Taylor. I don't know if he's a wide receiver three. I don't feel like it is Laquan Treadwell right now. I think it's going to be a mix mash where. In a certain situation, Chad Beebe's in. Uh, another situation, maybe Brandon Zilstra is in if they feel better about where he's at. Uh, he was the guy who led the CFL in receiving and last year caught one pass, but you know he's on the team, so maybe he's a guy that takes a step forward. Maybe there's an undrafted wide receiver who they find or a later-round wide receiver. Remember, they drafted Stacey Coley and Rodney Adams a, a few years ago in the later rounds, hoping to find the next Stephon Diggs. Didn't work, but... You know, that was a uh, option for them and will be now is to try and draft a couple guys and see if one of them turns out. I don't think it can be Treadwell. And if it is, you're probably looking at instead of him playing like 50 or 60 percent of snaps, cutting those down because of Irv Smith big time. If Kyle Rudolph is still here to 20 percent of snaps and he does some blocking and is an outside receiver if he's even here, I think trading him to create this cap space is also an option. If he's not, then it is a camp battle between who wants wide receiver three. Treadwell, if traded, has to go along with what a fifth round pick. I mean, you you would well, certainly have to sweeten. They've that now pot. got four sixths. So. I was going to say, could could you possibly try and work a Treadwell trade tomorrow? And so essentially, you're trying to just dump him off at that point. If you're Miami, though, why wouldn't you take? That? That's right. But so he just you take him and give if, me an extra pick. We'll if take you play him, him. You cut him. It right, doesn't matter. Right. And, well, yeah. Like we don't have to keep him around after this year. So it's a one year thing, and maybe we get a steal. I mean, teams should be into that, taking a draft pick and a player if you're not a win-now team. Uh, speaking of Miami, before we uh, wrap up this segment, Judd, 
The Josh Rosen trade for Miami, usually they're one of those franchises that we make fun of. Miami, they do a lot of bizarre things. They make a lot of mistakes. This was not a mistake. This was incredibly well played. And if you gave me the option for the Vikings to trade down 12 spots from where they were and then also get Josh Rosen, if that was on the table for the Vikings, I would have said do it. As much as I love the Irv Smith pick and I think it's an A-plus pick, I would have said do it for the Vikings to get Josh Rosen to be your future backup. And other things would have had to go along with that, cap space, so forth. But Miami hit an absolute home run here. They gave up barely anything. A a second-round pick, which was the 62nd overall pick in this year's draft, and a fifth-round pick in 2020. Which, who cares? I mean, so you're talking about getting a quarterback that would have been the second best in this draft only to Kyler Murray. Yep. Who does have a year of development, although it was a tough year, but he's got a year of development underneath his belt. He's 22 years old. He is on a rookie contract. Who's his coordinator there now? Flores, who, I don't who know. is essentially Belichick's pseudo um, defensive coordinator, yeah. So he's not getting an offensive guy, which I don't. I don't like that part. Like I have become convinced that it would be if you have a good offensive coach. Um, I, it's not an easy situation yeah, in yeah, Miami. Let me ask you this though. Okay, now I continue to disagree w- with your assessment that you would have considered if you were the Vikings giving up the 18th pick to get him. I would not have done that. No way. The second round pick, I think it would probably have had to been a third from my end. But the Rosen conversation is intriguing. But trading I'm with down yes. and then getting more picks and, and then getting him, that okay, would have been so, really interesting to me. So I'll play along because I'm with you on the intrigue of solving a quarterback problem. I think this kid can play. And I love the contract. You get this contract. And and in this day and age, in this league, as the Vikings are learning right now, if you get a quarterback like this on a rookie contract, it can be a godsend. Um, but what do you think? So let's strip away what we think just from an X's and O's football standpoint that this probably would be a good idea and work. What do you think internally in this building in which we're sitting right now needed to be the thought process to about where your team is at? and what it would have done to Cousins. Now, personally, as Judd Zolgad, I don't care. But, you know, if I run this team, I guess I have to care. What do you think it would have done to Cousins? Would it have driven him more? Would it have caused problems with the young man's psyche? Well, like I, all of those things have to factor in, I guess. I think that sometimes we criticize certain parts of his personality, and it makes it seem like Kirk Cousins has this awful makeup, an awful character which is not at all true. He's got a few flaws. Relating to people is one of them. Understanding how his words impact people. Seeing himself as kind of above the team and part of the coaching staff, which came out of his mouth a few times last year. That was confusing to me. And then you saw in week 17 him trying to coach Adam Thielen on how to run a route, which is just behavior that I haven't seen before. And I think it rubbed people the wrong way in Washington. I heard of a free agent wide receiver who said he would not sign with Minnesota because he did not want to play again with Kirk Cousins. That kind of tells you something about his ability to relate to people. But on the flip side of that, this is a guy who turned himself into a 4,000 yard quarterback in Washington when he was a fourth round pick. The organization did not want him to be the guy whatsoever. The RG3 thing was hanging over his head constantly. And I remember hearing a story about Kirk Cousins working with a quarterback guru and inviting RG3 to come with him to work with his quarterback guru because he just felt like that's my teammate and we work together and 
That's how I should do this. And I think if they had picked up a future quarterback in this draft, it wouldn't have impacted Kirk Cousins at all. I think he's the type of guy who puts himself in a cocoon and studies tape like crazy and studies the playbook like crazy. I 1000% buy into the Kirk Cousins is the hardest working guy you're ever going to find because he has outworked his talent by a bunch of miles. And I don't think that bringing in a younger guy that might be the future would mess with his psyche at all. But I was thinking about this, though, Judd, as it relates to that 18th overall pick conversation. I know that would have driven people insane. I know I got insulted a lot on Twitter for throwing it out there. And I totally understand why it's a first-round pick. It sounds crazy. But did you see Russell Wilson's contract? It's going to pay Russell Wilson $35 million a year. So when we get a couple years down the road for an extension for Kirk Cousins, is that going to cost 37, 38, 39? How much is it going to cost? And I for I don't for one second believe that it's going to be here. I think that this was a 3-year deal. And unless he wins a Super Bowl here and becomes becomes a guy who has a statue outside right. US Bank Stadium or here TCO Performance Center of Performance as you like to call it, um I think this is a 3-year deal, which means which means hey, I I get it. You're going to have to again go back and address a position that you continually year after year struggle to find uh because the contracts are, are going to to be huge. And I also don't think that the Vikings after getting a taste of this contract, I don't think they're going to want to consistently deal in these contracts. If you look at what this has done to a team that ordinarily cap-wise has operated with a lot of room, with a lot of freedom, which thought when they had Teddy that that was going to be their their reality for quite a while, and then that they were going to sign him, I think, to a nice contract, but certainly not this contract. So I really do think that this is a three-year deal, and, and that's why the Rosen conversation is at least intriguing yep. as to say, how do you solve it? I think in their minds that there's a very good chance that they're going to have to broach this and start to solve it in a year. Yep. But I don't see this franchise, unless I'm totally wrong here, I don't see this franchise making any type of commitment to Cousins. It's Super Bowl or bust to me after 2020. This draft also shows you, and the addition of Gary Kubiak, that they feel like what they saw last year from Kirk Cousins was not a completely fair sample of Kirk Cousins' ability. Now, where I would disagree is last year was his second highest pro football focus grade of his career. Kirk was Kirk, and the supporting cast let him down, and he didn't rise uh, raise them up in any way because he's Kirk Cousins. But now, this year... They will give him every opportunity. They're giving him a legendary offensive mind. They're giving him another tight end. His two elite quarterback or wide receivers are coming back. They're giving him a center who is compared to Alex Mack and Ryan Khalil. That's a franchise-changing center. He's so good. If you still stumble and miss the playoffs with all these things, drafting all offense, offensive gurus, new system, more play action, all these things, and you still miss the playoffs then that extension to me is entirely out the window. But if he succeeds at a very high level, my guess is that they would start having that conversation with him about a contract extension. And that would be my guess on their approach is let's wait and see on 2019. And then if we miss the playoffs, draft a quarterback, trade your draft up to get a quarterback or whatever you've got to do. Yeah. If you, if you yes. miss the playoffs again, if he comes short again. And, and, and I understand that approach. I don't think that's a terrible approach. I just thought, what a rare opportunity to trade a second-round pick 
even trade back and trade a second round pick for a great quarterback prospect that in 2021 you would have for five million bucks on the cap you would save 25 million bucks in 2021 to spend like crazy right and then coming off of years of development with a good situation I thought that that was a perfect storm for the Vikings I had no expectation that they would do it and I think if you're a Miami Dolphin fan you are through the roof with their draft. They come away with Rosen. They come away with Christian Wilkins. And all of a sudden, they look like they're turning for the right way. It's still going to take Rosen probably a couple years with that team to build up. But when you look at what they gave up, sure, you should say, gosh, that wouldn't have been too bad to have him on this roster. And I don't personally think it would have messed with Kirk Cousins at all. And the, the one thing that we don't know, too, is, is what Kubiak has said about that position, what he would have said about Rosen's play, Rosen's tape, and abilities. And that becomes the most important thing here because essentially what they've got in Kirk now is the Shanahan family plan with Kubiak running it. But this is going to give Kubiak his first chance to in person basically see this on a week-by-week basis. But your, your greatest hope, whether Cousins succeeds and is fantastic or is average, your greatest hope here is that what Kubiak is trying to do works as as well as it possibly can, and then he's going to be the guy that guides you on if Cousins is your quarterback potentially for the next, I don't know, three or four years after that, or if you've got to reverse directions and go find one. But this really, this conversation does come down to the fact that nobody in this building for quite a while has been able to identify that quarterback accurately. They've gotten lucky at times on Keenum, but that was just a fluke. Mm -hmm. They tried Bradford. He he got hurt. Teddy's leg blew up. Unfortunate. But you now are going to be in a position where I think you have some confidence that you have a guy on the staff who's got quite a bit of power who now can maybe, maybe uh, guide you as far as who your quarterback is long-term. And, of course, the question then becomes, well, he worked for Elway, who can't find a quarterback, and that's a tough thing. Hmm. So the, the hope is that Kubiak is a lot smarter than his former teammate and the starting quarterback for the Broncos when it does come to solving that issue. All right, Zolgad, well... When it comes to next week on Score North, we're going to break down every single 6th and 7th round pick, scouting reports, video grinding, everything you ever dreamed of on Purple Daily next week. I can't so, wait for you to break down the three seventh round picks and the four uh, sixth oh, rounders. I can't wait Because you're right, it was four sixth rounders. Absolutely. I'm going to be looking at their relative athletic scores. I sold Rick Short on one. I'd like to apologize. Spider charts. Oh, it's going to be wonderful, Judd. I just can't wait. Uh, so we'll do all those breakdowns next week for sure on Purple Daily and continue the entertaining conversation about where this team is going 2019 so appreciate all of you listening to our second and third round purple podcast we will catch you next time hi this is chris howard host of plugged in with chris howard the college football playoff committee made their decision on sunday and as much as i loathe the idea of ohio state losing their way into the college football playoff i 100 agree with osu making it in over bama Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.